0: You're listening to Super Manager, the podcast with a diverse panel of experts discussing what goes on in the office. And your host, Samantha Nays with CN Video, corporate video production, your business's video team on call. I was actually having a conversation with a friend. We were doing a walk and talk and she does recruiting. And she was bringing up someone that wasn't a good fit for a position. It's a company that, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, a company that's very relaxed and on Fridays they turn off the phones at three o'clock and sit around and have a beer together and you would think, oh I want to work there, how do I get a job at that place? But this person hated it. They didn't drink, they felt left out and it was just a bad fit for that particular company culture and so that kind of brought about the topic of hiring the right cultural fit for an organization. So this week we're going to be talking about hiring the right cultural fit and I have my team of experts with me. We have,
1: Kim Baker with Vivid Performance Group, and I help companies being able to align and synergize their culture, human capital, and organizational agility.
2: And I'm Mary Kuthais with MCK Coaching. I'm an executive coach, and I work with leaders who want to improve leadership skills, communication skills, conflict management, time management, and the like.
0: And I'm Samantha Nays with CN Video. We do corporate video production, video onboarding, training, and company culture scouting videos. So hiring the right cultural fit, I think if you don't hire the right cultural fit, then obviously you've gone through the entire hiring process, the training process, all of the expenses that go along with that, and then that person is not happy, and you have to start back from square one again because they didn't like whatever the company culture well, was. Well, is it an
3: appropriate
0: culture? Well, yeah, so we have to get to how do we define culture. Yeah.
1: The academics and different folks have different definitions, but a simple one is how we do things around here. And a lot of times you walk into an organization and you'll see their core values, their guiding principles. The thing is, is that this tends to be aspirational and, oh, doesn't look so right. good. If we truly live our values, we can define them in anchoring behaviors. So when I work with organizations and we do core values development, we actually then develop behaviors that define that. So if it's accountability, if it's communication, if it's collaboration, we define the behaviors that reflect that. And we've even pulled it through in performance appraisals if we really want to make it happen. That's why so frequently you see in organizations that their values integrity, but yet the CEO has just gone to jail. (laughs) All right, there's a real disconnect between the value on the wall and that nice little word and how we actually act. So first of all, you know, if you really wanna live an intention culture, you define your values and then you define the behaviors and then you hold people accountable. I do a lot of work with competing values framework. We go into an organization and we put them through an assessment and then define their culture in one of four types. We can even look at to agility. But if your culture isn't reflecting where you need to be a business strategy, then we need to change that. The fact of the matter is is that once we define culture, then we start to understand better. If we understand the behaviors we're looking for, we can actually assess that in personality and things like that. That's how you really make it work. Very few organizations do that. One of
0: the things that Art talked with me about is really being realistic about what the culture is. I had in my mind, this is how I want things to work. This is how things should work. This is how things could work. But when you really sit down and talk about well, how does it need to be in order to accomplish the job? Like for example, one of the things that I've added to the job description is that you must be able to handle stressful situations and nobody wants to think that my company culture is high stress, but when you do video production, you are going to a client site, you're bringing equipment, you have to get it right, there's a certain amount of pressure, there's a certain amount of stress that is involved in that. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be realistic and say you have to be able to handle high mm-hmm. pressure types of situations. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, one of the challenges is that in the interviewing process, companies are putting their best foot forward and the yeah. candidate is putting their best foot yeah. forward. And the difficulty with that is that it ends up sometimes being a bait and switch this is what it's like to work here. And we're seeing a lot of that on both in ends. these organizations that a lot of the Silicon Valley ones, whereas we've got ping pong tables and we've got free froyo and we've got all these things, but it's miserable because mm-hmm. people are absolutely, I mean, they're treated brutally in terms of mental abuse or hours that they have to work. So it looked really great and bright and shiny and right. fun from the outside, but when you get in, it's very different. And when people realize that they've been sold a bill of goods about the culture, it's worse than
0: not right. having a culture at all. I hate to say it, but it's almost like dating. It you is. Know, if you're meeting somebody for the first time and you're not being honest about who you are and they're not being honest about who they are, or you've got a 20-year-old picture you know, posted on the site or whatnot, what's the point? Does it ever actually work out? And with employment, it's the same thing. What's the point in trying to trick someone into thinking the company culture is different mm-hmm. than it is And I wish I could get that through to candidates as well. What's the point in pretending that you're something that you're not? You're only not gonna fit in and be happy here.
2: Yeah, I do a lot of assessments for hiring and for communication challenges and building teamwork and all that kind of thing. And I saw something on LinkedIn once where someone was recommending that candidates find out the culture of the company and then answer the assessments in the way that aligns with oh, that.
0: And and wow. I said I said I oh. like
2: all the other stuff you said here but like please please don't do that because yeah. there used to be that statistic from Gallup that it was I think it was 82% of people are either disengaged or actively disengaged. It's gone down a little mm-hmm. bit, but one of the reasons why people are not engaged is because they're in the wrong job. They're in the wrong fit. And so, I mean there's a lot of work to be done starting with honesty and understanding on behalf of the company. Who Mm -hmm. are we? Not just who are we in a marketing sense, the words we're putting on the wall, Mm -hmm. but who really are we? What can we live up to?
0: Has anybody ever gotten an answer to the question, what you like least about your current position other than they don't keep me busy enough or I don't feel challenged? (laughs) Because that's what they're recommended. Oh, when someone asks you a question like that, don't say something negative, say that you're not kept busy enough, say that you're not challenged. And so I never ask that question Yeah. because well, it, it doesn't, there's yeah. no point.
1: If a good interviewer knows how to cut through that, mm-hmm. you just start asking a lot of very pointed questions Yeah. because they probably are not prepared for the fourth follow-up about that. To Mary's point, choosing very good pre-hire assessments yeah. is important. One that I use, we actually look at what we call the dark side of personality and how somebody might behave under stress. Yes, And so if we see enough of those, if an employer sees enough of those, you really want to take that into account. You never use a pre-hire assessment as your sole method right. for making a Where decision. Well, you can't. That's illegal exactly. to begin with. Right. You and I know that, but some of our folks on the podcast listening to this I mean, may not know yeah, that. Right. Absolutely. So that's what's really important. Yeah, absolutely. But
2: it's also a mistake not to use that Yes, because yeah. what you, I mean, you have to get some things that aren't gonna be at the surface because it is like the dating thing. The one thing about it being dating is you can date someone for a year and decide, eh, we're not gonna get married. Mm -hmm. But you might go through a couple, three interviews and get hired, now you're married.
0: And so you
2: don't find out things and then you marry that with what was the interview, the in-person interview like and what do the references say and
3: that kind of thing. uh, The assessment that I use is one that does the aggregate where you can get an overall picture of the people that have taken the assessment then you can get a snapshot of what the overall company looks like.
0: Vicky, that brought up an interesting question for me. It's the correlation between skills and personality types and how you'll fit into a company culture because to me they are two different things.
1: Oh clearly. Oh, yeah. Yes. Your technical yes. competency is completely different than soft skills and mm-hmm. yes. And but you're gonna things. have
0: a certain personality type and Vicki was talking about diversity, you know, having different personality types, some people that are big picture people
3: and some people that are... Well, some of this is educating the executives and management mm-hmm. that you have to allow someone that may come into your office and not sing from the same choir sheet mm-hmm. so that you can have a innovative, creative environment. Now. You don't need to have a rotten apple in the middle of your barrel. That's not what I'm suggesting.
0: How do you differentiate between someone who doesn't sing from the same choir sheet and a rotten apple? Again, I think it goes back to your core values. And rotten apple, I mean, if it's
2: someone who's cooking the books, that's a whole nother thing. (laughs) But, But in terms of someone who's just not going to be a good fit, it goes back to the core values. And that's why it's so critical to know what those are. Sometimes people think, oh, we can sit down in an afternoon and we can pound them out. No, it mm-hmm. takes a lot of real introspection by top leadership, certainly. And then that has to be lived throughout the organization. And just one more thing before I forget this. It helps you determine who your clients should be, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if that's your out. clients don't align with your core values, they won't align with your business. That's and correct. that's okay, because everybody you, can't
0: serve everybody. How do you assess your core values, though? I mean, there are assessments for people and personality types. It's not types. an assessment. It's not an assessment, it's an activity. And this is something, I
2: think you do this, Kim, and I I do this as well. I mean, it's a facilitation where you're working with people and you're drawing things out, you're asking questions and you're listening to what they say and you're sharing things back with them, what you've heard, and you have to be able to listen to what they're saying and draw things out of them that they might not have even realized were there because we're so tuned into what is the right answer for marketing purposes?
3: Well, it gets yeah. back to when we said you cannot make a go or no-go determination on an applicant or a candidate with just an assessment. And it's to your point. You have to interview. You have to delve into what have been the most successful things you've done. Give me examples of that. Yeah. And if they can speak to it, and how did you do that, and what, how did it make you feel once again, it's getting to assessment, interview, and then what's been the experience. So you've got a three-legged approach. Well, in, and in terms
2: of developing the culture, I mean, we've talked about assessments in a lot of different ways. There are places where assessments are really good, even the state of a company or what people mm-hmm. believe about the company or 360s. Not everything can be handled like an interview. Mm-hmm. Not everything can be handled
3: with an assessment. Kind of and people want to do just an assessment, and you go, you're missing, that's a tool. That is a tool that leads you.
1: Yeah, I end up seeing a lot of this. So sometimes it's during the strategic planning process where we're really looking at the mission and vision. Where is it? And as we look, if their strategic plan needs to alter significantly, that could change their values. But, yeah, we look at the values. And then how are they lived? So that's one place I find it. The other place this whole concept of culture and values comes in, I'm doing a lot of work these days. I get called in by organizations who have done Employee engagement survey after employee engagement survey or employee satisfaction, and the answer keeps coming back. The issue is the leadership team. So then I get called in, and now we're talking about the culture and the leadership team and how do we change the culture. You know, these things on the wall, they're not being lived. They're not being lived according to your employees who are giving us some very, very tangible descriptions of behavior. And
0: to hire the right cultural fit, you have to have a realistic view of what the company culture actually is. Right. Well,
3: you have and, to find out who's driving that.
0: Well, and, and to that point,
2: the C-suite, there is room for improvement in many organizations there, and they mm-hmm. have to realize it because no one wants to tell them that your EQ is really low. They might not know it in those terms. Mm-hmm. But the smart leader realizes they can always learn. They can always be better. They can always enhance their leadership skills because often it may not have been their ability to lead an organization that got them where they are. Right. It's the ability to take care of the balance sheet. Right. Mm-hmm. And so
3: Could be if changing they think their behavior. they're doing this, if they think they're doing this, but in reality, the employees are seeing this, there's a perception issue. And, okay. their, and their perception well, yeah. is the There's reality. There's a difference
1: yeah. in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I do a lot of work with leadership teams, and that's exactly it. We can do a 360, and we can understand what your intention is, how you view yourself, and then how you are viewed. The other thing I want to bring up about the culture is subcultures, and that's something we haven't talked about yet. But in your larger organizations, you don't have one culture. You have subcultures. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, Ford Motor, they don't have one culture. They may say they do. They have subcultures. So when you go in to change a culture, and I'm not going to name a name, but we're in St. Louis, Missouri, and we have a very, very large employer in our area. You can talk to 10 different people who work in 10 different areas of that organization, and three of them love it. Six of them are so-so, and one hates it, something like that. And you start to say, why? You know, and actually, it's probably more like 3 out of 10 people hate it. Why do 3 out of 10 people hate it? Why do 3 out of 10 people love it? It's a different function. It's a different subculture. Yep. You yep. Know, and that's what's really important to understand. And that just proves, so why is it different? It's because of behavior and the way people treat each other and the way the leader acts. Well, it- that just gives two behaviors. That culture is all about behavior. And the
2: leaders. There's a lot of leaders in an organization. There's the Mm C-suite, but there's a lot of other leaders who may not have leadership skills.
0: It's interesting you talk about kind of subcultures. I know that can be by department or that can be by other characteristics. I remember interviewing one time for a company. It was a marathon interview, and I may have brought this up in a previous podcast. I was there for eight hours, and they wanted me to interview one hour with eight different people, one at a time seven of the people loved the company culture could not speak more highly about it's a great company to work for the benefits i love it i love it i love it all men and then you had one female manager who had a completely different perspective (laughs) of the company culture so coincidence or Mm -hmm. um who knows but and that would be a really smart thing i
2: remember when i was Just getting out of college, my sister's a little bit older than me, and she gave me some great advice. When you go into interview, you're interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing you. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, when you're right out of college, we know that now. Mm -hmm. But when you're right out of college, you're thinking, I need a job. I
0: just need a job, and I'll do anything. I've had people say that to me in an interview. I'll ask the question, what interested you about this particular position, about this particular company? And I've actually had people come back, and it's a good, honest answer. They say, I just need a job. I just need my foot in the door. It's in video production, and that's what I want to do. Yeah, and I mean, I appreciate the honesty of that.
1: Right, but <laughs> well, I, I mean, it should be a warning, but yeah. that's a whole nother.
2: Well, and it's also a whole other topic. And <laughs> also, also yeah. with entry level people too, how long they're going to stay is probably that's limited what I was going to
3: say. Days, I mean, you know? as an employer, you have to be realistic about your jobs too.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like we talked about step one is being realistic, understanding. Knowing what your company culture is, being realistic about it, not what's on paper, but what is your actual company culture. And then being able to relay that message honestly to potential candidates. This is what it's like to work here. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to talk about the, you know, the basketball hoop and the cry rooms and, you know, interesting things that we have here. This is realistically what the job is about. And then part three is getting the candidate to do the same thing, doing assessments to find out what they're really like, what they're really thinking, if they'd really be a good fit. One of the things that I do to try to get candidates to be a little bit more honest and conversational with me is I like to do interviews over lunch. You would be amazed Mm -hmm. at how much more open and honest a candidate is over lunch rather than in a conference room because they feel like they're chatting with a friend. Mm -hmm. And I've had candidates sitting with me over lunch saying things, and then they'll say, oh, I don't know if I should have said that. And it's like, you're fine. Good, genuine, honest answers. Any other thoughts on... Hiring that right cultural fit.
1: I would say the the number one key to getting the right fit is actually knowing your culture.
0: Can anybody give a good horror story about a bad cultural fit?
1: Oh, I certainly can share one. So, okay. and you don't have to give
0: names. Or oh, anything. I won't. Okay. I
1: won't. So let's just say that this company is in the medical space. Okay. And this organization, sales organization, very much run by men. Um, many would say the good old boys club. Yeah. The, the VP of sales was um, this is a made-up name Mike <laughs> <Okay>. and um, <laughs> people would be hired who were called FOMs, friends of Mike who oh, oh, uh, yes. did not fit the, the job description mm-hmm. you know like education level experience and those folks were protected All right, now here's what happens is that then there were a lot of women hired who saw what they thought was a good old boys club. And so they said, that's not the culture I want to be part of, Mm -hmm. you know? So there were some really talented women who left. So I don't know if that's a horror story, but it's certainly- Oh, it is.
0: I mean, you're gonna get talented people that are gonna leave, you can't just hire your friends. Well, well, it's interesting because they had a bad culture,
2: but they also hired people who didn't fit the culture.
0: Thanks for listening to Super Manager by CN Video Production. Give us a call at 314-843-3663. That's 314-VIDEO-ME. Or visit our website at cn-video.com for additional episodes, information, or to discuss video services.